This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rink Rights, to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast episode 49, brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, on your time. We are also brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rinkware, use discount code the rink. That's T-H-E-R-I-N-K. Get 10% off of all of your orders. It doesn't have to be rinkware, but it would be nice if you would get yourself some rinkware. Uh, nice hat for the summer, cover up your uh, bald head like me, <laughs> or uh, you know, nice t-shirt for the summer or something like that. Head over there, get yourself some rink wear, or get yourself some uh, you know, uh, other wear like uh, overkill jersey or something like that. But uh, that's puckhockey.com. So uh, that said, today is Wednesday, March 27th, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. My name is Jeff. It's man. And I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, Mr. Jekyll. Let's get this over with. I want to go hang upside down some more. <laughs> we need some kind of energy, whether it's a shit, a shift, a good shift, a shot. <laughs> Why do I get Conroyed? <laughs> figure it out. Fucking figure it out. <laughs> there you go. Uh, also, today, we have our uh, Chicago Steel writer. Uh, he's also co- helps cover the juniors. He does some recaps. Uh, Ray Napientek, Napientek, Napientek. Yep, we're all good. <laughs> How you doing, Ray? Good about yourself. Good, good. It's finally. It's glad. To, we're glad to finally have you come on. You've been uh, killing it with the uh, steel. So we're gonna do probably a little later. We'll do a little uh, a on an on the air um, steel deal and uh, steel deal. I like steel it. deal. I I, I honestly came up with that just off the top of my head. That's um, pretty good. It's impressive. <laughs> I can rhyme. I'm a, I'm like a four year old. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna do. We'll talk about the steel a little bit later. But uh, right now, um, we'll talk about the Blackhawks. Um, but I want to get this out of the way before I forget. Um, we got a new review. One new review uh-huh. uh, from Mark from Algonquin says, "Love the podcast." Always good insight. Enjoy JJ's analysis and inside sources. Nice mix of humor as well. Great podcast. So thank you, Mark from Algonquin, for uh, you know heading over and uh, and leaving that review for us because we really appreciate that. Figure it out. Oh, God. My neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah I work um, out that way. Mark's, Mark's probably somebody I've known for forty years. He just feels sorry for me. <laughs> he, he probably feels sorry for us, all of us collectively. <laughs> And shout out to uh, Ron Luce. He was supposed to be here today, but uh, it's his birthday. And I said, don't waste your time with us. Go out and enjoy your birthday. And uh, you could talk with us another time. So, And lo and behold, he found something better to do than hang out with us. Ron and Ray, by the way, for those of you who visit the website, your, their names will sound familiar because they're our glue guys. These are the guys who keep the engine running literally in terms of the content at the fresh content at, uh, at the rink, which, you know, we're able to say we have every day we have uh i I think we probably have the the most the most constantly updated and deepest content of i think any uh website covering the hawks i think it's fair to say that and uh ron and ray both are a huge part of that and uh 
you know, Gabe and I are extremely grateful to both of those guys for, for what they do for us on a regular basis. And uh, part of expanding our coverage also into major juniors and the steel as well, which has been a really exciting thing that we've done this year. And, and these guys have been a huge part of it. I don't have any institutional knowledge. <laughs> our previous guest Laz thanks I, I do want to say thank you to Laz for even though he said he doesn't listen to read other people's stuff or listen to other people's podcasts I want to thank Laz for coming on um, we got a lot of good reviews and uh, feedback on that podcast uh, and I have to agree John and I when we when we uh, when we got done talking to Laz uh, we both felt that it went really well. There was a lot of good dialogue back and forth, and we don't, uh, of course, we don't necessarily agree with everything uh, Mr. Lazarus says, but we were able to have you know a smart dialogue about it. And even if we don't agree, we were able. I to think talk. we agree with him on most things, actually. Yeah. And Laz, if you're listening, there's there's always time to become a rank rat, even though you'll probably never admit it. But that's Dab all right. Have the brakes. Have the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to reignite the uh, Laz in the Box uh, a little extra tonight. I'm a troll on Twitter. <laughs> Just because. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I, I wanted to play more clips of the Laz in the Box, but he was talking so much. He he comes at you hard. Man. Yeah, he does. Wow. Hey, hey, watch that. <laughs> Sorry. So we're just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. He uh he he talks. He's a wall of words. Yes, a wall of words is a good way to put it. So there weren't there weren't a lot of breaks for me to put it in there. And I didn't want to play the sound clips over over the top of them, but that's enough uh, under the hood talk. Um, so what we're gonna do? I'm gonna go over some of the Blackhawk stats. We'll take a we'll take a break for our sponsors or uh, other sponsors, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, the latest things that have happened with the Blackhawks, where they stand. Um. And we'll do, uh, you know, some, some Chicago Steel stuff. And, and then we'll take some questions and we'll get out of here for the night. So to start off with, uh, the Blackhawks right now, um, as of you know, what, what happened yesterday, they're 33, 33, and 10, which is 33 and 43. I have to keep reminding people of that. Um, 76 points. Uh, they're, I don't know. I don't know how many games are left. There's like eight games, seven games left, something like that. Um, they had a disastrous last three games. Um, they lost to, uh, of course, Arizona won nothing yesterday, and then uh, they lost to uh, the Avalanche in the home and uh, home and home series, and then they won in overtime. So basically, they only got one point out of that one. Um, they didn't gain, really gain much ground. Uh, they're six three and one in their last ten, seventh in the Central, twenty second overall. That hasn't really changed. Uh, they're down just slightly. They're five points out of a tie for the wild card. And as I said before, if they're tied for the wild card. They're going to lose the tiebreaker. Um, so basically, they're six points out of a playoff spot, yeah. which I, I did the math on this over the weekend, and I sort of updated it this morning in my head, which is scary. But um, they basically have to win 11 out of their next 12 points, or, or the remaining 12 points, the, their remaining six games. They have to win 11 out of 12 possible points. That's assuming Colorado wins five out of their next 12 points. Yeah, it's it's the, they're done. It's over with. I mean, if yeah. if I had the funeral music here, I would play it because they're done. Yeah. Um yeah, it's just they've been done for a while, but right. You know, the media wanted to say, you know, they they have a chance to tell me there's a chance. So, uh but I do uh 
I do want to say uh, a forklift when I when I brought up the whole well you know anything can happen he came up with a real good one liner so uh, it's been added to the uh, the sound uh, the soundboard and my aunt can grow balls and become my uncle too <laughs> so that's going to be kept kept on the the uh, soundboard uh, uncle forklift uh, was nice enough to provide that for us. So as far as the rest of the stats go, um, their goal differential actually went down to only negative 24. I think it was a lot higher before, but that's because they've had a lot of close games lately. Um, their faceoff percentage uh, is 49.4%. Um, they're still last in the PK, and that tweet has been going around that if they were to make the playoffs, they would be the first team since 96 or whatever to win uh, or to make the playoffs with such a low PK uh, you know, year-long PK average, and uh, and that team was swept in the first round or something like that. Which so I saw something today. Um, it was a it was a credible source, uh, <laughs> which there are not many on Twitter. But um, basically, what it said is that if the season ended today, the Hawks would finish with the worst penalty kill in NHL history. And it's not getting any better. That's no. the thing about it. It's e. It's like it's sitting where it's sat for a while. It, it, I mean, you, you can only think now it's only, it could get worse. <laughs> yeah. I had a little back and forth going with, uh, uncle Al, uh, El Somalia and, um, about, uh, you know, what they need to do in the off season. And I, you know, hit the refrain that I so often hit that they really need to acquire a defenseman yeah. to come in and, and get this group stabilized at least one, if not two, and our friend Justin Lowe, the blogger to be named later, chimed in and said, "Well, they signed Dahlstrom today. Don't don't you think he could be that guy?" And I, my response was, "Dahlstrom's been part of this absolutely dreadful defense. So how can we assume, other than perhaps some untapped potential, that he's going to be the guy to turn this around?" And and I think to me the mindset needs to be: we got to get out of this mindset of you know whoever's laying around at Rockford or you know is under contract can be the solution and start to really understand that, that Bowman's going to have to really step up here and make something happen and acquire players who are not currently in the, currently in the organization likely to change this for next year, because all these defensemen who none of whom are really defenders anyway, they're all puck rushers and, and, you know, really better offensively than defensively. None of those guys are going to be here next year anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll get you know, we'll get a little more yeah. into that. Uh, I'm going down the rabbit. No, no, that's Sorry. fine. That's fine. Um, no problem with that at all. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little nugget. Rabbit holes are us. <laughs> it's a little nugget to feed the fans. Uh, it's a nugget for after the break. But um, the rabbit pellet. Their power play. <laughs> rabbit. I got yeah. Don't get me started on rabbits. We have rabbits in the house now. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like Animal Farm here. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, the, their power play is 11th, which is good. You know. Uh, I heard it mentioned as a quote unquote top 10 power play. Okay. They're 11th. They're, they, they had a pretty good, that one hot stretch really jumped them up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. They were more in the middle third, uh, towards the bottom of the middle third, probably until that, that hot streak. So they're kind of riding that wave because they haven't been really that great lately. Uh, goals for 246, which is real good. That's eighth in the league, man. They can score. So what do we need to do? Spent ten million dollars on our Temi Panarin, but I digress. My aunt can oh, grow balls and my uncle too. <laughs> uh, goals against is 
dreadful, horrible. They're 30th in the league. The only team that's worse is Ottawa. Um, but the and, and they're so far behind that even though they, they've played better in like the last week, they haven't they haven't moved in the standings really much as far as that goes. Uh, shots a game, uh, 34.6. Uh, they got slightly better, but they're still 30th in the league. So, you know, they're, they're, they're the second worst defensive team in the entire NHL. Um, that they don't deserve to make the playoffs. They're not a playoff team. So, uh, possession numbers. Uh, I mean, they're, they're in the, the, almost the bottom third for both, uh, Corsi and Fenwick numbers. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit too, uh, a little bit later. Uh, some kind of brought up some possession numbers, uh, high danger save percentage, real good. Fifth in the league goalies have been good up, you know, in close, uh, making those high and they've had to because they've had to be. Yeah. yeah, literally. I mean, I don't, I haven't checked lately, but, uh, as far as, as soon as two weeks ago, um, Eric, Mr. Eric Gustafson gave the most high danger save or uh, high danger chances against in oh, the entire on. NHL. I yeah. can't believe yeah, I that, but Duncan Keith is there too. And I, and I kind of stated to someone, if you want to say that Duncan Keith is the problem, well, then I can't help you. But I, I think it's more of Duncan Keith being out there having to babysit Mr. Eric Gustafson. Uh, <clears throat> more, I think if you put Duncan Keith with you know a good defender, that's not going to happen as much. Right. He might still be up there because he, he logs a lot of ice time. So that naturally you're going to give up you know chances. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. And uh, they're 17th overall in five on five save percentage. They've gone up four spots since Corey Crawford's been on this real hot streak. But as you can see. Corey Crawford standing on his head doesn't necessarily help them because, uh, yeah, they're just not that good at team. Not enough. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. Ray, you got anything you want to add in on the stats part before we take our break? No, I, I think the, the power play, like you said, if you take out a few, you know, weak stretch there, it definitely was the, the bottom third. I know early on they were really struggling, both the penalty killing the power play. I know you got to look at it as a whole season, but, I think that carried them and got a lot of the fan base excited about possibly making the playoffs. But once they kind of, once that power play kind of slowed down and uh, you know, if they don't, uh, if their top two, three guys aren't scoring, they're, they're not going to get it done. So that, that power play number I think is a little skewed as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it was so incredibly white hot for a while, but it was carrying them really. That was what was carrying them to all the wins was that power play. It was improbable. Um, you know, I, I was listening, uh, I think, uh, we have, we have to talk about, uh, Mr. Pat Boyle maybe a little later, but, um, I, you know, I, I was hearing on, uh, on their podcast talking about, you know, the power play and how, how, how it was so bad. And, and now this team is where it is because of, you know, some very improbable seasons from players like Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, uh, you know, Brandon Sod's having an excellent year. Alex DeBrinkett's having an you know an improbably good year, um, and you know, and, and they're still not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know, if they didn't have that improbable year, can you imagine where they'd be? So, anyway, all right. So let's take a break. We'll come right back. We will talk about what happened in Blackhawks land and uh, the rest of the stuff. So here's the break. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. 
read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. All right, we're back from the break. Um, so the Blackhawks, we, we kind of teased this a little bit. Uh, Blackhawks, I mean, uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's not going to happen. They would have to win all of their games, and they would need help from everyone else, and they're just not that good a team. So um, some things that have been announced. Um, I don't think we mentioned it last week about the Blackhawks. They are going to open next season in Europe against the Flyers, and they're also going to play a preseason game against one of the teams in the German League, I believe it is. Um, so that, 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 that's happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's just I, kind of a PR stunt, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I kind of wonder if you got the players off the record, we you know what, how they feel about it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I flying, you know, especially for, if you've if you've got an injury, or if you've got a back injury, which I could speak to from personal recent personal experience, can be pretty unpleasant and pretty debilitating, especially long flights. Um, and um, so I, I just got to wonder how much the players really appreciate, you know, what is probably at least partially a, me- a media sideshow. Um, and right at the beginning of the season, and you know what, that Mar- I remember the Hawks did it back in the 2009, 2010 season. I believe they started over in Europe and, yep. You know, we know how that one ended. So, I mean, it, it may in fact be a really good thing and brings the team together, you know, when they finalize the roster. I don't know. I mean, this is a different team than that team. I mean, that was a team that could, you know, literally throw their sticks out in the ice every night and win and because they had so much talent. And this is a team that probably next year will will be in a battle to to be in the playoffs. You Again. know, and, and uh, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It, it could be good. It could also not be good for them in terms of, you know, how, how it, it sets the tone to start the season. Yeah. I, 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 again, I think it's just a sideshow thing. So whatever. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. I mentioned the games uh, that happened. They lost on, what was it, Saturday. They won in OT on Sunday. And then they lost one nothing to Arizona yesterday. Uh they're just, I mean, they're they're playing decent defensively, but um, it looks like you know the hot stick of Alex DeBrinket has gotten gone cold again. Uh, the hot stick of everybody. I mean, Patrick Kane's gone cold as well. <clears throat> they don't have it when they, you know, they don't. I've seen this several times from some, from several different people saying, you know, when the Blackhawks need it, need a win, they need to come up, they need to gain points to jump over somebody. They just don't have it. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, how hollow this team is. You know, it looks pretty on the outside, but uh, there's not much on the inside. So, well, I think my there's, there's I think there could be a lot of things at play. And one thing in particular, I think is going on is that they've kind of tightened it up defensively, and you're not seeing guys like Gustafson way down below the other team's goal line. You know, while somebody's got a breakaway on Crawford a couple of times a night. I mean. The, the guys are getting back and they're covering, et cetera. But when that happens, that push up the ice that they've had um, and that that really fast transition and, you know, f- you know, literally four forwards joining the play um, doesn't happen as much. And, and they're not, you know, getting the production they were getting before as a result of it. I mean, they've it feels like in terms of the style they're playing is that they, they've they've really tightened it down defensively quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, it's affected the scoring. But at the same time, you can see. It's also affected the goals against as well the last four or five games. And uh, 
Um, you know, but I think it speaks to the fact that they don't have the talent to be a really good team at both ends of the ice. They don't have it right now. That's what they got to work on over the summer. Yeah. It would have been better for them if they were just good in the defensive end and had a hard time scoring, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that would have been more of the comparison to the, the Kings in what was it? 2014 or whatever, or 12, 2012. Right. That team couldn't score. They played excellent defense. And their goalie stood on their head, but they couldn't score. That's why they they were an eighth seed and, and made it through the playoffs. So, um, <clears throat> any any things you've seen, Ray, uh, or that you noticed that you you've? I, I know uh, you put up the playoff percentages like almost every day. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just to keep the fan base at check, let them know kind of where things are at. But mm-hmm. but it's also just curious how things go up and down from one win to another, and another team loses. So, um, especially this time of year, but. I think like JJ said that it's just a more of a commitment to the defensive end, you know, even the forwards, I don't think you're getting that fast break offense anymore. You're not getting that long stretch pass and you can win a lot of one, nothing hockey games. You can't win a lot of eight, seven hockey games. So, you know, like you guys said that that commitment to defense is definitely a good thing, but it's taken away from the offense. And I just don't think they get that depth scoring like good teams have where you got a third line, fourth line guy that, are chipping in when the when the top line guys just aren't getting it done, and when the top line guys aren't getting it done, they just struggle. Yeah, and and their third line and their fourth line. I mean, their fourth line's garbage. It's just utter garbage. I mean, the, they changed up the lines um, yesterday. Uh, I didn't even realize this because I didn't get to uh, get to see the game. But um, what is this line of Perlini, Kampf, and Strom? I don't uh, I don't know that I get that. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Um, the side of Nisimov Sakura, I can, I, I, I can sort of get that. And and uh, the Kunitz, no one's going to want to call him the Triple K line, but Kunitz, Kruger, and and Cahoon, um, that's just uh, that's hot garbage. You know, I I, I don't want to like slam the guy uh, because he seems like a good dude and and he seems like you know a pretty solid two way defensive player, but. Cahoon's gone cold. I mean, he didn't actually put up, you know, that good of numbers lately either. I think he's kind of fallen off. I mean, for a guy who who played a lot of the year on the uh, on the first line, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I don't know if it's because he's not used to the, you know the the more uh, intensive schedule or or what's going on here. But well, I'll tell you one thing I've noticed too, and this applies across the board. I think a lot of teams have figured out how to stop the, how to stop the Hawks, and what they're doing is they're jamming up the neutral zone, and they're they're just clogging every passing lane, and that's that's been a problem. That's the, you've seen te- I've seen teams doing that with them, and um, you know just really going hard in the corners and contesting every puck, which is an area where the Hawks struggle because they don't have a lot of guys who are good in the corners, um, and um, that's going on too. It, it's a little bit of, a little bit of you know, what Colleton was doing with all that push up the ice and, and all that speed is coaches have caught on to it. And now what they're doing is they're just jamming up the neutral zone on them and making it really hard for the Hawks to get through center ice. That's the other thing that's happening. <laughs> guys aren't guys aren't good in the corner, huh? Uh, phrasing. <laughs> I'm two for two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Perlini was hot, like we said last time. I mean, he was what you know, the second star of the week in the NHL. Now he's gone back cold. It seems like the, the entire team. Strom hasn't really been uh, scoring. Anisimov scored. He's showing up on the score sheet. Perlini was getting all of his stuff off a of transition. Yeah, and now that seems to really be drying up. Yeah, 
So, uh, but the defense, uh, which is some weird combinations, but the defense has been better. Um, you know, Keith and Gustafson, yeah. okay. They are what they are. Uh, Forsling and Seabrook and then uh, Cuckoo and Murphy. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to find it. Saw um, that coming. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, I'm sure, Murphy's, Murphy's, you know, had a good year. Um, uh, cuckoo's okay, you know. I'm not cuckoo for cuckoo. Um, <laughs> but, but um, you know. Cuckoo for cuckoo puffs? Cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. Um, they're just, you know, there's like somebody, I think somebody said it on our staff chat, um, the last couple of days, I think maybe it was Aaron said it or, or Mario. It's a lot of, there's a lot of five and six defensemen on this team, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, Gustafson is probably a five defenseman on good teams who, who is a, you know, first unit power play guy. He's great at the power play. I don't think anybody would dispute that, but in terms of, you know, a five-on-five five defensive unit. I mean, you got Duncan Keith, who is, you know, somewhere between an eighth of a tank and fumes at this point, and, you know, Seabrook, who is on fumes at this point. And, you know, after that, yeah, Murphy's okay. You know, Dahlstrom, I don't know, he's like, he's okay. And maybe he'll get a little better. I mean, there's some people who are, who are you know, real big on Dahlstrom. I just don't see Dahlstrom, and going back to, to Justin's uh, comment today, I just don't see Dahlstrom being a difference maker, a guy who jumps out, you know, of the video and you say that that's a guy that I would love to have on my team, you know, like a Nicholas Jalmerson was not to, to ride the Jalmerson horse again. But I mean, literally that those Bowman's got to get one or two guys like that. And, you know, younger guys, but with NHL experience who really make a difference when they're out on the ice not just guys that are like, yeah, well, he's, he's good enough. He's okay. That's not good enough. That's yeah, the well, problem. yeah, we 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 teased this earlier, and we're talking about it now. So why don't we go? Carl uh, Dahlstrom was extended today. Uh, he got a two-year deal. Um, I brought it up too on Twitter uh, that you know Dahlstrom is all good and well, but he's a five-six-seven guy, um, right. which you know it's like the Blackhawks have a bunch of five-six-seven guys what are we going to do with all these five, six, seven guys? This is the same conundrum we had last year Yeah, where they've got a whole bunch. They got Cuckoo. They got Dahlstrom. They got, you know, uh, Gustafson, who's, you know, a bottom pair, bottom pairing guy, uh, Forsling, who right now is probably, I mean, he's, he's a tweener between bottom and, and middle pair guy, maybe on a, you know, on a good team, maybe. Um, <clears throat> plus you got guys in Rockford. I mean, they don't have Dennis Gilbert and Blake Hillman in the system to sit in Rockford for their entire career. Like they're trying to get those guys to progress through the system and grow each year and be able to move to that next level. So you got those guys there and then you've got like, you know, Carlson, Lucas Carlson. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit uh, in, in a little bit about Chad Chris. They signed Chad Chris too. And who knows, maybe, um, you know, Bochrist is, is, is in the mix next year. What do you do with all these guys? Like, you're not going to, you're not going to sign them to, you know, long extensions and stuff like that to just throw them in Rockford and bury them. Uh, I got to think that somewhere along the road, they're going to package up maybe a couple of these guys. Yeah. And Cuckoo Might is be this summer. Yeah. Cuckoo, I think is a RFA. So 
he's in an RFA or UFA. Uh, so, there, you know, he's not technically signed, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them get he get, he gets qualified. But, yeah, I think they're going to need to package up some of these guys, uh, move them on, and, uh, you know, the guys that they, they have probably seen enough of this year and uh, they decide, you know, they don't want in their future and move them, move them out of here because you're going to send a whole bunch of, you know, five, six, seven guys down to Rockford. Um, <clears throat> it's good for Rockford, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Dahlstrom, you know, more specifically, uh, you know, he's gone from, in, in, I've brought this up several times, but Chris Block wrote about it, um, future, hopefully future rink, uh, rink cast guest, Chris Black wrote about how uh, the one year he was brought over from, from Sweden, he came over here and the Blackhawks sent him back to Sweden uh, yeah. because they were so unhappy with him. And, yeah. uh, you know, Chris was convinced that uh, Carl Dahlstrom had seen his last days in the Blackhawks uh, system. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And now he's come back. He was an all-star in uh, Rockford last year. And he played, you know, some in the NHL. And now he's played a healthy amount of time here in the NHL ahead of Henry Yokiharu. And I didn't even talk about Yokiharu earlier. He'll be in the mix as well next year. He definitely will. Yeah. And, you know, he's shown enough to say that, you know, he should be, you know. Yeah, right. And I I don't deny that either. So it's getting... It's getting very busy and complicated in the Blackhawks defensive core, but no one's standing out is that person who's going to fix what's broken. The, that's right. the moral of the story here. You either need to trade uh, or sign one of those players. You're not going to get that in the draft. Uh, God, for, if, if, they, if they pick another defenseman in the draft, I'm going to go apeshit because they've got enough defensemen. And this is not a defensive strong draft. They kind of got to go in forward. And I think we're going to talk about this with Ray a little bit too, about, you know, some, some, you know, junior guys and stuff like that. But, um, so as far as Dahlstrom goes, he's okay. He's five, six, seven guy. Uh, I, he could be the defensive version of Calendelia. I don't know, but I, he hasn't shown that. Uh, he, I don't think he's quick enough. He is, you know, he's bigger, but he's not, He's not bigger, like, he's not an opposing presence out right, there. Right, He's huge. He's big. He's 6'3", 6'4", 230. Like, he's a big dude. He could crush guys like, you know, Debrinket if he could catch him. But right. he's not crushing anybody. So well, if you're going to be big. Yeah, and he's not a guy who's going to ever, you know, run around and get out of position to make a hit, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he definitely plays within himself. He's he's okay. He's he's But he's just... I just feel like you know they've they've got there's got to be a higher standard and they've got to get guys in who are, who are real difference players on the uh, excuse me difference makers on the back end. Yeah, um, you need those guys up and down the lineup if you're going to win a cup. We should know that in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know we don't and we don't have those guys anymore. You know somebody had a question on Twitter today and, and I didn't see it in the outline, but you know they it was the question was you know when are when are people going to have to start accepting that this isn't you know a, a playoff team anymore and i'm like what have the last two years told you i mean well yeah except for know? the media and the front office want to pump it up to anything can happen what have you seen ray about the uh, the Dahlstrom thing what are your opinions it was like an uh, 
to me. I mean, he was an RFA. You know, you get him from for pretty cheap, so that way if you bring in some guys that can play, you know, under a, a bigger cap hit, he's fine in that six seven role. If you know, if he's out there playing 13, 15 minutes a night, you don't even recognize that he's out there. Yeah. He's doing his job. You know, if, if you're, you know, he's slamming his stick over the crossbar because you're picking it out of the net every once in a while, you know, then he's down, you know, he's, he has no, no use for it. We have no use for him. So, but if he's, if he could be that, that sixth, seventh guy, you know, not take up a ton of cap hit. And, you know, if he's playing 13, 15 minutes a night when he's out there, you know, that's fine, but he's, he's no difference maker and he's not signed to be a difference maker. So, and I right. think he's still have to head down to Rockford if he could. So, yeah. um, I, I think it was just kind of a, eh, you know, he's a RFA. So we, we wanted to get it done. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. So, uh, <clears throat> talking more about the defense, uh, it was question whether Chad Chris was going to sign with the Blackhawks. He did. Um, he signed his entry level deal. He is going to be playing in Rockford, probably on some kind of a, 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 a amateur tryout deal or something like that. <clears throat> um, Chad Chris is a guy that Aaron and Mario and I saw at camp. Um, you know, he's he's a smooth skater. Uh, what I saw out of him was he was more of like he had more of a, a vocal presence out there. And this is with the, the, the prospects. I'm not going to say this is with, you know, the NHL team, but he was kind of like a, uh, with the leader type where he was, you know, shouting instructions. He was real, uh, you know, uh, kind of quarterbacking. I, I would, I would say, you know, the defense out there. Um, he was kind of a loosey goosey kind of guy, but uh, you know, he's a puck moving defenseman. He's like, five other guys in the system. So he's going to have to make himself stand out to be able to be more than just, you know, the next, um, you know, Billy Polka, you know, he's not that big, but let's see. Uh, let's see what we get out of him. Uh, don't, 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 uh, start proclaiming him, uh, you know, the next guy, you know, the, the next Ian Mitchell, the next Adam Boakvist, the next, uh, you know, uh, Bodan, uh, he's not that, uh, he's going to take some, he's coming straight from college. He's going to take some seasoning. And I think we kind of, we kind of brought this up last week. Aaron asked the question and, uh, this next guy we're going to talk about too, is kind of the same thing about the college game being ready for the NHL and that. And, uh, I know, t- <laughs> uh, that's where the whole pet boil thing kind of came in where he said that, you know, maybe, uh, college players, aren't is ready for the NHL game. And that's not to say that you can't have great college players, just that coming right out of college, they may not be ready for the pro game because they don't play it like a pro style game. They play only two games a week. There's less travel. It's more school intensive. Uh, we're in junior yeah, major junior or, or over in uh, Europe, you know, you're playing more of a structured pro type team where you're playing more games and, and it's more like, you know, you're riding the bus to, you know, Saskatoon or whatever, <clears throat> rather than being, you know, uh, dealing with just, you know, a weekend game or two and uh, dealing with college classes. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. He may, he may jump right in and play really well. So do um, you have any more to expound on that, Mr. Jekyll? No. Okay. Ray, anything on, uh, on Chad Chris? 
I know the knock on him was just his defensive uh, zone uh, ability. So hopefully he's cleaned that up a little bit. Yeah, which, like so many other defensemen. Well, he's in the right place to do it too. Yeah, no kidding. Familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, I, <laughs> I was. Why, just... That's why these guys, you know, Bodin and Boquist, and I mean, all these guys are probably going to need some time in Rockford in order to sort of, you know, get that that part of their games nailed down. And and you know, for as good as Yoki Haru was when he came up, he had some problems, um, you know, with his positioning and and some of the, some of his work in the defensive zone and. Guys were starting to get wise to him and know know which way to turn, you know, to move on him, et cetera. And um, so they sent him down to work on that. And that's that's what the miners are there for. It's not, you know, a stepping stone for some of these guys. It's actually a place where they need to be and, and work on some things and improve. I mean, um, you know, for teams like the Blackhawks over the last 10 years and prior to that, the Red Wings, I mean, that's what you had to do because you were always picking late in every round. So you had to have a, a great talent development system within your organization, which the Hawks unfortunately didn't really have until the last couple of years at Rockford. I mean, Rockford was a f- freaking disaster a couple of years ago. So, yeah, it was. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's why it's, that's why it's there. That's why it's good for those guys to, 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 to go there rather than jump right to the NHL, even though it fulfills people's fantasies. Um, you know, th- these guys are gonna all probably going to need some time in Rockford. And, and in the meantime, if the Hawks are going to, you know, do something in the playoffs next year, you know, that, that points to making moves for current NHL players. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing too, uh, with Boquist, um, sure. Eric Gustafson is signed next year to, you know, a, a low, um, you know, a low money deal, which is great. Um, but if Adam Boquist was to make the NHL, and I don't think he's going to, I think uh, I don't either. I think Adam Boquist is, might very well go back to junior for a whole another year, and he said that. So for people to be ex surprised or or argue with us about it, he's even said he might not be ready next year. Like, so we're not making this stuff up. But um, yeah, and you know, and again, not to put him down because I I think the guy has a lot of talent. I really do. I mean, he's he can be a special player. But you look at those four goals he scored last night. I mean, it was all open sides. He wasn't covered. There was nobody on him. I mean, you don't get a lot of opportunities like that in the NHL, and and especially as a defenseman. Um, you know, it just it the the team they were playing wasn't playing any defense. It was like glaringly obvious, and uh, they were overmatched by London. And so, yeah, I mean, it's great that he got four goals, but I wouldn't call any one of those goals particularly hard to finish. No. Uh... But if he were to come to here, he's going to take away the one thing that Eric Gustafson really does pretty well. The power play. Yeah, because he's not yeah, going to – Eric Gustafson will not be on the power play. Well, or he might be bumped onto the second unit. I yeah, mean, but the second unit isn't really much of anything. And, or, and, you know, Gus runs the first unit. If, let's say, Bokovic came up next year, which I doubt. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think that they they know better. They know that he, he's got – Great talent, but he's just not there yet physically, and he's not there in terms of experience in North America. But, you know, when he does come up, maybe he runs the second unit and Gustafson runs the first, and that could be pretty exciting because they don't really have an option to run the power play right now after Gustafson. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that, that closes up defense talking uh, with the Blackhawks. Um, the one last thing, Jack Ramsey, who was a draft pick in, I think, 2014, he was like a seventh-round pick. Uh, I've seen him several times in camp. Uh, and actually, two two years ago, and even this last year, 
Uh, he was slightly impressive. I mean, Eric and I saw him this year. Uh, Mario and Aaron and I two years ago saw him in uh, prospect camp. I mean, he's a big, he's a big body, kind of a little stringy, but um, kind of like along the lines of what what I how I described Chad Chris only as a forward. I mean, he put the puck in the net. I don't know why in college he had he doesn't even goals or he doesn't have a lot of goals. Uh, I know the one year he had like one, uh, two years ago he had like four goals or something like that. But he was playing in the fourth line. Um, he's a, he's okay. Uh, the, uh, he signed an, uh, an amateur tryout in Indy for the end of this year. I don't know if the Blackhawks are going to sign him to anything, but uh, you know, he's Jack Ramsey. You know, <laughs> he might just be depth in the system for right now. And uh, you know, with a seventh round pick, that could very well just be what he was going to be. So. Um, so that's it for, you know, most of the Blackhawks talking points. We're going to have a lot of questions at the end. So let's break this up a little bit. Let's talk about the Chicago steel. Um, Ray, this is your, your baby. Uh, we needed a, a steel writer and you jumped up, uh, and took the reins and you've done an excellent job with it. Um, you know, the, the they, they're doing, they're doing very well right now. They've got some exciting things going on. So. I don't know. Why don't you give us what, what's going on with the Chicago Steel? Yeah, well, currently they're they're tied zero zero with the Cedar Rapids uh, Rough Riders. Uh, they're on the road tonight, but yeah, they're in second place uh, in the Eastern Conference. Um, they've been basically trailing the, the Muskegon Lumberjacks basically all year. They're pretty good. Um, they've got uh, you know Hacker Ryan in that. Uh, the Hawks drafted a few years ago and, and got some skill, but um, they're kind of holding off the. Youngstown Phantoms, um, they're, they're Rough Riders tonight's a, a big game because they're only three points up on them on the road. So, and you want that second spot because you get a, a first round bye uh, in the USHL for that that playoff spot. So they're really holding on. They've been great to us, uh, Gabe. I mean, yeah. Brent Meske, uh, their their media relations coordinator. He's a good dude. The GM uh, Ryan Hardy, he's been fantastic mm-hmm. with me. I mean, they, they've been they've been awesome to us, uh, and, and you know, to me obviously. So. Um, they've got, they've got a lot of skill, you know, Robert, uh, master Simone, um, you know, I've seen him possible first round pick on, on some mock drafts. I know, you know, you got to take that sometimes with a grain of salt. Um, FC hockey's got him at 54th. So he's, he's got some offensive skill. You know, he's not, not very big. I think he's only about 5'10, 170 right now, but you know, definitely has a good shot, really good aim on his shot. And as he gets stronger, he's going to be able to really, really take that to the next level. So, um, you know, he's their big name. Their captain, Mateo Pietro Nero, boy, he, he's really the heart and soul of that team. Him and Nick Abrazizi, um, you know, they both, <laughs> they, they, they're, the, uh, they're the heartbeat of that team for sure. Uh, you know, Nick's got uh, 73 points in, in 55 games, 25 goals. You know, Mateo's got 43 points from the back end. You know, he's a defenseman. So when they're playing right, you know, they definitely have, have a lot of skill. And then obviously, uh, you know, Josiah Slavin, the Hawks draft pick, he was he came over in a really good trade uh, that that uh, Ryan Hardy put together and uh, he's been fantastic. I mean, since he's come over, he's he's really been a scoring touch for them. So that that's something that you know the Hawks fans definitely have something to to keep an eye on there with the Steel this year. Yeah, that's uh, I, I'm a big fan of Mateo. Um, rumor has it I've heard rumors that possibly he could be hit, uh, seeing some prospect camps uh, in during the summer. So that would be good. Uh, I think he's an under the radar guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's solid on both ends of the ice. He's a captain. He's got a good shot. He can jump into the play. He's a well-rounded player. I don't, 
I don't know necessarily what the knock could be on him because anything, and I've asked about uh, him, you know, I've, I've asked around some people and I, you know, what's, what's the knock on this guy? And I've heard nothing but good things about him. Uh, his attitude's real good. He's a nice kid. Um, you know, straight, you know, straightforward. He's, he's a leader on the ice. He, uh, you know, obviously scores a lot. He's fourth in scoring in the entire USHL for defensemen for a while there. He was leading. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's, you know, and he hits, uh, you know, he, he'll hit a guy and he's, he's been in several fights. You know, if you look on hockeyfights.com, you can look him up and he, 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 uh, he throws some hits. So, uh, he's a good player. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Blackhawks, you know, he's local. I wouldn't mind the Blackhawks inviting him to, uh, you know, prospect camp, but you know, they, they're, they're, uh, free agents that they invite have been less and less and less every year. And it's only a couple of them. Like last year was uh, Connor Moynihan and they signed him and, and put him in the, uh, you know, the ECHL. So it seems like, and then, uh, Chase Marchant, who uh, I didn't mention earlier, but, uh, he was signed out of college. Uh, he was one of the goalies and he's Brad Marchant's cousin, I think. And, uh, <clears throat> they signed him and sent him to, uh, Indy or, Indy signed him, I should say. So it's it's like the the free agents that they do um, invite are high end players. Like uh, Joey Keane was signed was was in free agent uh, camp, or not free agent, but uh, development camp two years ago, and then he went in the in the draft last year. So uh, I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see, but I'm partial on uh, on Mateo. But I, I'd like to see the Blackhawks. Maybe he's something possibly that the Blackhawks don't have a lot of in the system. So uh, it couldn't hurt, but whatever. Um, yeah, Josiah Slater. a little bit of an old school mentality to him. That's the best way I put He's just kind of that, you know, defenseman that he's, he's going to stick up for his teammates. He's going to always be in good position. Um, you know, he could put the buck in the back of the net. You know, he does everything really well. He doesn't really stand out at one, one skill that you're going to say, man, the scouts are really going to, like that, and we'll just hope it kind of becomes a little bit more well-rounded. He's just that old-school defenseman that just he's just going to get down and dirty, and he's going to beat you. Yeah, and I don't want to say he's this level now, or even that he could be, but at least in the right. USHL, he's like the equivalent of like what Brent Seabrook was in his prime. Well-rounded, could do just about anything. You know, he could play power play, could play penalty kill. Could he was a leader in the locker room? He was a leader on the ice. Scored big goals. Played defense really well. Like in Brent Seabrook's prime, he was one of the top defensemen in the NHL. Now in the USHL, that's kind of how Mateo plays in his league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether he can blossom into something. You know, you and I kind of we did a tag team article on him, and uh, earlier in the year, and uh, we kind of wanted to highlight him a little bit. Because he's kind of under the radar. He does, you know, Mastro Simone is is the big name. Abruzzi, uh, he's a big name. He's leading the USHL in scoring. Mm-hmm. And then you got now they brought in Slavin, who's you know because he's a Blackhawks prospect. He's a big name that people are watching. And then there's uh, D Saint Valley, Valley, D Saint Valley. Yeah, he's tied with Slavin uh, with points on the team. He's a good player too. They've got like uh, Owen Power on defense. So I, I've actually watched the steal. Yeah, I've actually watched the steal. So um, 
He's going to be a first rounder. He's that kid's good. He's still young. He's like 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. I think he's, he's six. Yeah. I mean, he's really good. Yeah. Um, and he's just scratching the surface. I mean, in that, in that league and you know, when you're, when you're talking about skating power, mm-hmm. um, you know, that shot's going to come along, you know, as he gets, you know, not only just maturing as a young man, but getting in the weight room, mm-hmm. he, he's going to be, he's going to be a wrecking ball um, come draft draft time. He's, I think he could go really high. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree. But uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of good players, which we want to bring this up. If you want to want to see playoff hockey in Chicago, yeah, go out and support the Chicago steel. You have a very good hockey team in their league, just in the West suburbs out there. Go support them. You know, uh, this could be, they won the, the, the cup, their cup, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it could very well happen again this year. So, yeah. you know, in, in, in all the junior leagues, there are, there are teams and organizations that rise above the rest, you know, and for example, in, in the OHL, you've, you've got, you know, organizations like the London Knights, you know, who just rise above, you know, the other, the other organizations in the league in terms of the things that they do in the profile. And I, I believe the steel are doing that in the USHL. I mean, they're really building, a multifaceted organization that wants to just basically churn out success on every level, you know, um, you know, the education that they're providing to kids and, you know, the quality of the players that they're bringing the organization and, and uh, you know, the quality of the people working in the organization as well. So yes, by all means folks, there, and there's absolutely no reason that you can't, even if you're a Hawk fan or you're a Chicago Wolves fan that you can't also, you know, extend, uh, you know, your hockey experience to the Chicago steel and, and definitely worth it. I know Mr. Ricochet is going to appreciate that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He, Rico, oh, he's, he's my boy. Yeah. He, he's big. <laughs> he's big. He's, he's, uh, he knows his, uh, uh, he's Chicago USHL walking encyclopedia. Yeah. He, he was the guy. He knows a little bit about hockey too. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he was the, uh, when we, when we, uh, when the steel reached out to us and, and stuff. And we started talking with the steel about covering them. He was the guy that, that immediately jumped out and was like, Oh, this is going on. This is going on. This is going on. This is where they are. This, is, this guy's this, this like, he gave us the whole read of the lay, the lay of the land before we even got out there and were able to check him out. So uh, he has his own, he actually has his own message board and believe it's called finish your check.com. I think that's what it's called. And Randy, if I get, if I got it wrong, I'll get it right next week. I'll double check it. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, he's definitely a guy who's involved in a lot of different stuff, and uh, um, it's definitely he's a friend of the rink too, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, I didn't get I, I, Ray. You've met him, right? I did. I've met him a couple of times. Uh, yeah, he uh, got a hold of me on Twitter. Just said, "Hey, you know, let's talk. You know, USHL. Let's talk Chicago Steel." And yeah. I left four hours later with more names and more information. And that's cool. I thought I would get in a whole year. I mean, he was awesome. Yeah. So uh, I'm. I'm now with the Blackhawks season ending probably in the next week or so, week to two weeks, um, we're going to have a little bit of free time. I'm hopefully going to get out and uh, maybe see uh, a Rockford game or two, but maybe, which even closer, is the Chicago Steel. Maybe join Ray out there and uh, keep him company. Absolutely. Hit me up on Twitter. Um, they got a couple uh, games Friday and Saturday this week at 705 puck drop over at Fox Valley Arena. So it's a real nice place to see a hockey game. They do a great job. Yeah, they do. Uh, I was very impressed when I went there. They they had I went there for the game uh, where they did the uh, individually painted helmets. 
Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was really cool. They did a good job on that. There was a it was there was a lot there that night, but uh, yeah. Anyway, to circle back to the team, they're doing real well. 34-19 and 34-19-2 and zero, um, which is you know good enough for uh, you know it's good enough for being in second place and and, and they've positioned themselves with trades and they brought I, I think power uh, going back to talking about Owen Power they brought him in late didn't they wasn't he uh, just like a recent acquisition like within the last month or so too maybe uh, no he's been here a whole year oh has he okay. I thought I saw him. Uh, maybe I just hadn't heard his name, but that that name, by the way, for a defenseman, Owen Power, that's a that's a good hockey name right there. But uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. we don't want to leave up to that name too. He's he's a big boy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, goalie Justin Robbins is fourth in the USHL with his record twenty four thirteen and one. Uh, they have another goalie too there that's uh, I, his name escapes me, but he's Riley Herbst. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty yeah, good Justin too. Robbins just. Just broke uh, the record for most wins uh, in a season with his twenty fourth. So that he, he's really good. He's solid back there. I mean, they, yeah, he's he, he's a smaller goalie, so uh, you know, yep. <laughs> he he has my attention because I feel his pain. <laughs> he actually, his brother's a his brother's a forward too, right? Yes, he's a center. Yeah, his brother's a forward. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I watched him play too, but uh... and and one other name, John Spets. He's just a defenseman that mm-hmm. does all the right things as, as well. Mm-hmm. He's a man. It, he's like that uh, you know, Eric Weinrich type player where you just you're always shutting down guys, and you could play 24 minutes and you don't even realize he was out there. But then you look and you see that, you know. Oh man, Eric Weinrich score on him. That's a so. name you pulled that one out of the hat. That was a good yeah. one. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember him. He, he was you with Conroy. He played 20 minutes a night. You didn't know he was out there, but then you checked and said, you know, holy cow, you know, he played really well tonight, you know, when, when know. in his better years, you know, obviously when he was still in his prime, but you know, yeah. that John, John Spetz is definitely somebody to keep an eye on as well. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So yeah, check them out. Uh, they're doing well and uh, a lot of celebrating, a lot of goals to be scored. Uh, and you can see some fights and all kinds of good stuff out there. So, you know, you don't see fights in the NHL much. You could see them in the USHL. Watch, yep. uh, watch Mateo pound someone's face in. <laughs> and if you want the best name, I know you're like Owen Power, but Gunner Wolf Fontaine is probably going to be topping that. Yeah, uh, that name, like, I can't, I'm sorry, but I can't see naming my kid Gunner Wolf. <laughs> That's awesome. He, he, can me? he finds, he finds areas and he can score. He's a good hockey player. Yeah. I, I think they call him Wolfie or whatever, or something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, That's Gun- awesome. Gunner that name. Wolf? Gunner Wolf. Yeah, Gunner Wolf Fontaine. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great pull, Ray, because <laughs> I almost <laughs> forgot about him. Every time I hear that name, I just think to myself, oh, my God, as a parent, I can't imagine putting my kid, you know, having my kid grow up with the name Gunner Wolf. But maybe that's maybe he's Canadian. Maybe that's it. <laughs> They're like Gord up there, too. So. <laughs> so that's uh, that's our steel deal. Uh, Ray, thanks for you know bringing that to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do some more of that, uh, depending on how, uh, you know, how good they do, uh, in the playoffs and, you know, maybe we'll be f- covering them to a cup run again, once again, championship run. So, uh, absolutely. Keep an eye out for my Twitter and yeah, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep going until they finish up. Yeah. Should be a deep playoff. Run. Any other, uh, names that jump out in the USHL that, you know, you've, you've seen that, uh, you know, really done anything that uh, caught your attention? Well, 
if you take the uh, Team USA um, in the equation, yeah, about 10 guys. Yeah. Um, they, they really have a, a ton of talent there. Um, you know, when you're talking about non-Team USA guys, I mean, Bobby Brink at Sioux City uh, is really good. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, Afanasiov, I believe his name is, in Muskegon. Um, he's a really big center that can skate pretty well. Um, I mean, there are there are some guys that that are really up and down the line. Master Simone, obviously, that we talked about. Um, but the the developmental team, I mean, they've got. I mean, you might you could see ten picks in the first forty, maybe. I mean, they they really are loaded this year. So, um, but overall, those are a couple of names that you'll probably see in the first couple couple rounds. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the uh, the, I wanted to bring this up kind of earlier, and uh, we we may talk about it, but. Um, the, the guy who I predicted that the Blackhawks were going to draft this year is from the USA de- developmental team, Cole Caulfield, another five, seven, five, seven, 155 pound winger. Um, and I kind of joked about it, but I was kind of not joking about, uh, that's right up the Blackhawks alley trying to say, Hey, you know, it works so well with Alex to bring it. Maybe this guy's going to fall down the draft to us. And then we'll have, we'll have found this diamond in the rough kind of thing again. Because he score, he's a goal scoring machine, a lot like DeBrinket was. So uh, Cole Caulfield, that's who I'm predicting the Blackhawks are going to take uh, uh, in the draft this year. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Alex Turcotte. Saw him play live, watched him a couple times on video. Um, hockey family, you know Turcotte, yeah, 200 defenseman. He's going to be a big, big NHL or two. He's five eleven, one ninety now, and he could score. He could set up players. He's just. He's solid all around. He he'd be the center that you would want. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> picking eight nine. I'm not talking one. Uh, picking eight nine, he'd be a name that would definitely be in there as well. Yeah, uh, I actually played against his brother. Nice. Yeah, his brother is like uh, five foot six. <laughs> oh, he's in that league. Yeah, he, he's like five foot six, but he's built like a fire plug, and uh, like you could see. He's not, uh, definitely was not a pro uh, prospect, but you can see uh, the culture he was kind of raised in with the hockey culture, with the skating and the hockey IQ and really good hands. Um, But I mean, he, you know, I was playing against him in men's league uh, and he was probably, I don't know, 17 at the time. Uh, But yeah, there, there, there's a lot of hockey talent in that family. So, yeah. And two other names, too, Matthew Boldy, Trevor uh, Zagras, I believe it is. Again, more forwards that if the Hawks are picking in that 8, 9, 10 area, might still be around. Yeah. Um, go with a defenseman. That's 5, 7. Right, yeah. I was looking at the stats, on him and I saw Jack Hughes pop up, and he, he was like you know 18th in the league, but he's played half as many games as everybody else. Yeah, so. he was banged up there for a while. He missed yeah. uh, some games. They never really said what it was. Uh, what the injury was so but yeah he was banged up there for a little bit that's that's kind of scary though you know with a with a prospect who's gonna you know potentially the top prospect in the in the upcoming draft and they don't disclose his injury you know uh, does, yeah. does that mean it's a concussion does that mean he has knee problems i mean i don't know i i didn't see but you know that makes that that would worry me which could push capo caco you know ahead of you know, Jack Hughes, possibly I've seen some of the draft predictions where Kako Capo Kako, uh, actually, uh, leapfrogs Jack Hughes. And, mm-hmm. 
It's kind of like a couple. What if they years- put what if the Hawks got Capocaco and they put his locker next to to Slater Cuckoo <laughs> <laughs> and Kunitz and Cahoon and no, Kruger? Kunitz will not be there. Yeah, I know. And, and Cahoon and Kruger and Kruger probably won't be there. And Kane, okay. it'd be the team of all K's. Um, <laughs> that would be interesting. I don't think the Blackhawks. I think they've uh, they really basically just threw away their chance at picking, you know, in the top yeah. five to seven. Uh, I think they're going to be, you know, in the, in the, they might uh, draft um, lower than they did last year when they had a, a worse record, <laughs> uh, you know? So anyway, so that's that. That's the steel deal. Thanks Ray for, uh, for bringing that to us. And uh, we might, we, we might do some, uh, some cooler stuff later. Maybe we'll do like a live thing. If we both go to a game, uh, do a mobile thing. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, let's hit questions, uh, and then we'll wrap this up and get out of here for the night. Uh, we've got a couple questions that were left over from the last couple of weeks. Things got tied up. Time got tight. So uh, now that we have Ray here, we're a little more casual. Uh, we'll, we'll answer some questions. Clay Bandow had a couple of questions, uh, and I wanted to get to both of them for him. The one that he had from earlier was, if the Blackhawks wanted to tank for the best draft pick, how would they have done it? I know how NBA's how NBA teams do it. What are examples of what other NHL teams are doing to tank? It's actually a good question, and I I wish we would have got to that earlier. But, um, I mean, it's easy to move players around. Uh, you know, move players down to Rockford. Uh, you know, bring young players up. You could do it that way. Uh, you know, definitely uh, not acquiring players at the draft deadline or you know, at the deadline or uh, subtracting from the team at the deadline would be a way of doing it. Uh, you know, playing more Cam Ward than Corey Crawford could have been a way of doing it or just doing a full split. Uh, those are all ideas. Uh, what do you think, John? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's funny. It's funny. I mean, <laughs> You know, there we've there's been a lot of talk about tanking. You know, going back to uh, gosh, uh, what was his name? The Russian guy, um, fail for nail, Nail Yakupov, which F was not a good strategy. It turns out. Um, yeah, that's because where he went. That's where all first round draft picks go to die. I think certainly, you know, you don't. I don't think you see overt tanking on the ice where teams just stop trying. But I think organizationally, you'll see the organization you know, pull back and just the ways you described gate, you know, um, you know, sending guys down to the minors, um, for development down there rather than, you know, playing them in, in the NHL. I mean, just moves that are really calculated towards thinking about, you know, the next year and, uh, you know, knowing that, that if you try to compete, you're probably not going to do that well anyway. So it's more of an organizational thing, I think, rather than the players giving up or the coaches actually telling the players not to play hard. That, I don't think that ever really happens in hockey. Yeah. I, you know, they, I don't know. <laughs> it's a different sport too, where in basketball you could get rid of two guys and, and your team could go from average to just got awful. I mean, you do that in hockey, you still have, you know, 20 other guys that are, that are playing on any given night. So it's a little bit different. And I just don't think the NHL is, is wired that way to, to tank. You just, like you said, I mean, there's ways that you could get rid of players and you could trade guys, but when guys are going out there each and every night, they're just not wired that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, it, 
you, if you're going to do it, it has to be through personnel through, you know, subtracting from your lineup. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause you're not going to get, we've, we, we joked about it a lot at the beginning of the year, but you're, you're, you know, Brent Seabrook, uh, uh, Patrick Kane, uh, Jonathan Taze, they're not, they're not going to tank. <laughs> right. So right. you have to put them in a position where they can't, you know, really succeed that well. Uh, then you, you don't put them in a position to succeed to, to do that tank. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't think that we've seen Corey Crawford or Duncan Keith play as well as they have the last five to 10 games in the last two years. And I think it's because they really were, they really wanted to make the playoffs. I think Tate's too, for that matter, he's been playing really well too. Although I, I, someone was telling me the other day how, how terrible, uh, Duncan Keith is. Well, <laughs> He's, he's not. He's not what he. He's not what he was three years no. ago. There's, there's no doubt about that. But I mean, he's. You know, today he's. He's probably the best defenseman on the team. You know, he's. So, so he's the tallest midget. But, <laughs> I know how that is. <laughs> right. Yeah, but he's got three hundred thousand miles on his tires. So. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, he's. He's. He's not what he once was. But he. You know, definitely. That that you know just off the charts competitive competitiveness has kicked in and you know Taves has the same thing and so for that matter does Crawford and these guys you know they were really serious about trying to get in the playoffs and it's it's really you know it's admirable and it's why you know I just really hope that Bowman can go out this summer and, and hit a couple of home runs and get the players in, in that are needed because you don't you're not going to have that much longer with these guys you know especially Keith and Crawford who are you know Crawford's on borrowed time yeah. And then coming behind that, you're going to have, you know, Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan yep. Taves who are going to be coming right in behind him and, and, yep. you know, borrow time. That's Brent Seabrook too. So yeah, well, yeah. I, I think, I think I, I, I don't know why we're getting all this, a lot of hate for Duncan Keith with all he's done and he's still playing at a really, you know, impressive level. But he's babysitting all these oh, yeah. wild yep. stallions out there that just yep. run around the ice. He's covering for everybody. And yep. to be doing that at 36 years old or whatever he is, or 35 years old, like that's got a weigh on you. It's gonna affect your production. And you're gonna look you're gonna be out on the ice when Eric Gustafson is out there, you know, playing Olay defense you're going to be out on the ice when that goal ends up in the net and you can't always, you know, save his ass. Yeah. And Keith is kind of the one guy this year who's kind of, you know, been sort of the, the devil's advocate and kind of, he's not really said it in exactly these words, but on a few occasions he's kind of said, look, we're, we're just not really that good. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's got to be tough for a guy like him, for guys like Taves and Kane who, you know, are used to competing at such a high level and, you know, being able to go to that extra gear and, and, you know, you know, get far in the playoffs or get into the playoffs and then get far in the playoffs. Whereas, you know, just as it doesn't matter what these guys do, there's just not enough there to get over the finish line. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a shame because they signed these guys long-term because they expected to be still competing in these years. And because of what's happened with the rest of the roster, they can't do it anymore. And, and, you know, it, they really, if you're going to keep these guys around, um, and, you know, spending $40 million on five players, then, you know, you're kind of obligated to, to do the, to go the rest of the, of the way and, and fill out the rest of the roster to be competitive. Yeah. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll I guess we're going to see, they're going to be, uh, 
they're going to be in the middle of the draft. That's where it looks like. So they may be in like the 12, 13 range. If, uh, if they win some games, honestly, you should just sit the rest of them and just tank it. But, uh, that's not going to happen. They're going to want to bring people in. They're going to want, you know, sell tickets and whatever. Yeah. Clay also said, uh, why is Stan Bowman getting all the criticism when the, when all of the Hawks management should be getting criticized for four sub par seasons in a row, overestimating how good the team is overvaluing rookies, et cetera. Those are all excellent points. And those are all things that you and I have both been saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can really critique Stan Bowman um, in isolation because he's part of a front office apparatus that John John McDonough put in place when he elevated Bowman into the job. He wanted it to be more of a committee, more of a corporate type of structure with a lot of decision makers. So, you know, you can't, you, 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 first of all, um, you can't really, the whole thing about Bowman won three cups is, is asinine. And whenever I hear that, it's like my head wants to explode because the truth of the matter is, is that he inherited the, basically the framework of the three cup winning teams. Now you can argue that he filled in around the edges in 2013 and 2015. And, and that there's something to be said for that. But you know, the bottom line is you don't win those cups without the guys that were assembled before he became GM. Um, so, and, and conversely, you know, um, it, it's hard to blame him for some of these moves. Cause I, I don't, I, I don't think for a second that they paid, uh, Brent Seabrook, the kind of money and term that they gave him. And it was done by Bowman in a vacuum without telling anybody, you know, I think John, John McDonough stamped that contract. I guarantee it. I kind so of, it, yeah, I kind of alluded yeah. to that last week with Laz, but he tried to, I think he tried to like dismiss it. But um, I, you know, I said that I thought that that deal was made higher, you know, higher than Bowman. Well, I, I'm sure Bowman had a lot to do with it too. I mean, but at the same time, I, I don't think, I don't think big moves like that have been made in a vacuum, I think. And my understanding is, and this is the scuttlebutt around the NHL, that when teams in the past have called the Hawks to do trades, that Bowman has to get off the phone and go talk to people before he can agree to anything. And it it becomes frustrating to the other GMs. So, I mean, and that's not really his fault. That's that's the fault of the guy he works for. Yeah, and and we're not saying necessarily that, uh, uh, you know, we're not trying to defend Stan Bowman, but all you assholes out there with your fire Bowman shirts. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's way more, you know, there's, there's other people in the organization that have caused problems more than Bowman has, I think. Um, Well, if they, if they were to fire Bowman, I guarantee you that whoever John McDonough would hire would be every bit the corporate soldier that Bowman is and Bowman has been. And at the end, then at the end of the day, you still have that management structure that, that, that corporate, boardroom type of approach that 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 mcdonald wants no matter who's the gm yeah they're meddling in everything yeah you know so the the bottom line is is i don't think it would change that much honestly if they if they got rid of bowman but but the rest of the the apparatus and the structure and the management team stayed the same i don't think it would change that much yeah well and we're still going to go into this overvaluing rookies and all that other stuff too um i i you know that pr machine that that uh John McDonough starts up with, uh, you know, it was, it's going to be, and we're going to kind of talk about this a little, the Kubalik guy, Dominic Kubalik. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to be hyping up people next year. It's going to be Boquist. It's going to be Kubalik. It's going to be, 
you know, who's going to be the next guy that's going to be well, that, yeah, right. that, that next Kubelik. 60, that 60 point rookie, right? Right. There are, there are, there's blogs out there about Kubelik and getting scouting reports from some guy from Switzerland who nobody's ever heard of. Who's like a blogger from Switzerland. And he's talking about Kubelik, like he can do this and he can do that. And I'm reading it. I'm going, this, this is what they were saying about Victor Edsel last year. Yeah. I was a big Edsel guy. Um, yeah. I that mean, was one I swung and missed on. And what it comes down to is, is, you know, it's, it's really hard to play in the NHL and it's really hard to play well in the NHL. And you, you can hype your prospects all you want, but the reality of it is, is that most of them are not going to make it. And most of those who make it are not going to be great players. And, you know, the, 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 the truth of the matter is year after year after year, we hear this about all the, all the players that are coming and all the, I mean, remember when Tyler Mott was going to be the next great thing, who's now a fourth liner in Vancouver when he's in the NHL, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean there, it goes it, back to Jack Skilly. I mean, and sure, there are guys like like DeBrinket who overachieve and um, you know fulfill the wildest promise. But generally speaking, most of these guys that get hyped up don't end up being what they're hyped up to be. And the problem is, is when the organization starts believing these things or starts believing this hype, then it makes it really hard for them to to fish or cut bait on their own guys and decide to go out and get guys from other organizations who who might be better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you, what you, Ray, you got anything you want to add to this? I think we got spoiled with, uh, I hate to bring his name up, but Panarin came over and everybody just thinks, Hey, they come overseas. They're going to be a 30 goal, 77 point guy. And, and they're not, you know, they, you have a 1% chance of being that guy when you come overseas, if you're in your twenties, you know, you, you, you could play in the NHL, but like you said, you know, you, you hype them up in top six guys, you know, you end up being in, in Rockford, you end up being on the fourth line. I mean, Tyler Mott's not an European guy, but, you know, you end up being on <laughs> on those type of lines. You're just another guy, you know, and, and I think the fan base kind of got spoiled with, hey, well, you bring a guy over and he just sucks right in and that, that very rarely happens. Yeah, that's why we were kind of like pump the brakes on Debrinket, you know. I was saying pump the brakes on Panarin when it originally happened. Like, wait a minute, he's been playing in the KHL. The KHL is like more the equivalent of the AHL. So right. let's be careful. What, what you know, just because a guy does do does good in the KHL doesn't mean anything. I mean, uh, you know, Kovalchuk went back over there and was just dominating in there. And now look at uh, you know, he's he's with the Kings and they're in last place and he's not even traveling with the team and, and all that. I mean, there's other yeah, there's other things to go along with that, but yeah. And even if you get rid of Bowman and, like you said, you're bringing in another business guy that's got to go up and talk. The, the Hawks need a scouting development guy now. You know, you're, they're getting to the championship run. Mark Hunter. Guys that know how to scout and develop. Mark Hunter. Yeah. That's who I wanted. Mark Hunter. And there, are, and there are other guys. I mean, there are guys working throughout the NHL, um, you know, in the, you know, so, some of them are lead scouts or some of them are assistant GMs who've come up through the player evaluation and, and all many of whom would make great GMs given the opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but let's, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it. I, Bowman has made some really good moves this year, this yeah. year during the season, he's made a couple of really good moves. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I want to see if he can keep this role going. Um, um, into the summer and see, and see what he does this summer. And if, and if he has another summer, like he has the last couple summers, then I think there's another conversation, you know? Yeah. I, I, I the, the weird hate for, uh, Bowman. I mean, I, I, he was 
Quenville's boss. Okay, I get that part of it. But I don't think that Stan Bowman made that move by himself either. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Exactly. You know? So you're, and, you're, he's just a fall guy. He's a false flag. He's a whatever. Like, he's not going to change anything if you fire him. Well, and here's the other thing. I love Joel Quenville, and I've been a big Joel Quenville supporter and apologist. But the truth of the matter is, is that it probably was the right time to get rid of Q, you know, because I, I think it is fair to say that the players were starting to tune him out and, and the, the, the locker room culture, the dressing room culture was getting stale. And quite on the other thing about, about Colleton is he does seem to get young players to respond to him and he gets more out of young players than other coaches have gotten out of them. You know, like Brendan Perlini, like Dylan Strom, um, even Gustafson, you know, I mean, although we'd certainly like to get some defense out of him, but, um, you, you know, so, so all that I'm, I'm, I'm good with all that, you know, that's, that, that's all good. But, but the, here's the issue. The team hasn't done really anything under Colleton either beyond show some flashes here and there. But, you know, the, the truth of the, matter, the the issue is it's personnel. The issue is a lot of bad decisions that have been made in terms of con- contracts that have been given out term, uh, you know, average, average, the average annual value, um, you know, uh, trades that have been made that have not panned out. Um, and and all those things have all those decisions over the years have now come home to roost. And, um, you know, that, that, those are the things that, yeah, you got to look at the entirety of the organization and, and probably a number of people who are involved in these decisions, not just Stan Bowman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Um, (laughs) Jake pro, uh, he's an old fan of mine, uh, from the shoutcast days. He was one of the first guys to review that. So, uh, Jake, I remember you, buddy. Thanks for asking the question. He says, question I keep forgetting to ask. What does it feel like to be a Crawford apologist and the meatballs hating him for like five seasons straight? And then after two concussions and him not playing at an elite level anymore, all of a sudden the meatballs say he's the best goalie to ever exist and will carry this team to the cup. Um, yeah. Meatball's going to meatball. Yeah, meatball's going to keep meatballing. I mean... Be-do, be-do, be-do. Yeah, the meatball alarm. Uh, I mean, Corey, Corey Crawford is what he is. He, he's a good goalie. He was a top. He was a top five goalie at one point in time. I don't think he's anymore. He's probably you know top fifteen goalie, but uh, he's injury prone. He's getting older, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, he's getting older. Um, so right now, you know, he's his stock. You know, from the top five goalie to. He might not even be top 15 anymore because he can't stay healthy. Uh, and he's, he's been a lot less consistent. Um, I, well, he's, he's the last five, 10 games. He's looked absolutely phenomenal. He's played as well as he's ever played in my opinion, but, and I'll, and I'll keep saying this. I, I, he's playing on borrowed time. He's a stiff breeze away from being back in the dark room. And he's also 35 years old. And he's also played half the season that everyone else has played. So if that, yeah, he's a little more fresh than, than most. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, thanks Jake for the question. Uh, AA Ron, our boy, AA Ron. There he is. AA Ron. At what point do fans stop paying for premium price to watch this team live? That's where the question was at, um, that you mentioned earlier, I think. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, if you have the meatballs firing up, you know, the meatball media firing up the meatball fans, uh, telling them that they're going to make the playoffs when in reality they're not, you know, it, it, they could bridge this over into when they're good again. Uh, unless they, they have really, an opportunity next yeah. year. If, like I said, if Bowman can, you know, and this is, the, I also think too, I mean, if they start going hard after Panarin, I mean, my bullshit meter is going to be buried in the red. I mean, it's, it's, it's what it says is that the marketing people are just, you know, pushing that out there to amp ticket sales and get the meatballs all riled up. And they're not probably not real serious about doing the things they really need to do to improve this team. Um, but you know, if, if they have an opportunity in, in, in the real world of hockey to do some things this summer that can fill in some of these gaps that they have in this roster and, and in or the organization and, you know, really build on some of the exciting things that have started to happen toward the latter end, latter part of the season. Um, and some of the emergence of some of the younger players and the resurgence of a couple of the older players, they have an opportunity to, to get that excitement back because it's, it hasn't been lost for long. I mean, I, I remember hearing last year that some of the, not some of a lot of the demand for ticket resales had fallen way off, way off. Like, you know, season ticket holders used to be able to turn around and sell their tickets for hundreds of dollars. And, and that demand had really fallen off. But it, it wasn't that long ago that they were selling out every night. And, and you know, you could you could, you know, it was hard to get a Hawks ticket and hard to get one for cheap. And, and um, they have an opportunity to get that back if they make the right moves this summer. Um, so we'll see, you know. Yeah. Ray, you got any uh... – they're ticket up. Uh, ticket company's been working uh, overtime. I can tell you that. There's been more. Uh, hey, if you sign up early, we'll get you a puck. If you sign oh, up, yeah. we'll get you this experience. If you sign up here, if you pay for playoff tickets, you could come yep. on the ice. Where it used to be, hey, here's your month. Give me your money by uh, April fifteenth. Otherwise, right. it's just going to go to the next person. So they're they're working uh, overtime more than they ever have. That's what and you're... that's an indicator that demand's falling off. That stuff like that doesn't happen unless demand is falling off. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. last summer was the first summer that t- a lot of season ticket holders were able to move from seat to seat. You know, they've been locked in for a decade, and and you couldn't move. Last year was the first time where they connected with season ticket holders to say, hey, would you like to upgrade to 200, upgrade to 100, move over here? Um, that was the first time that that's been seen in a decade. So they're hurting a little bit. Yeah, but I, I, on the other hand, their attendance has been pretty good. It's not at the level they were used to, but for a team that, you know, for a while was in last place and uh, really just sucking horribly, um, they're – Attendance has been okay this year. Uh, it, it hasn't fallen off as much as you, you might think. So, you know, yeah. they, they could bridge it over if they, like John, like you said, if they can make the moves, make the shrewd moves. I'm like, I'm so for chaos this summer. Like make something happen. Make, make me excited. Do yeah. that. Yeah. Do that. You know, Hosa signing, do that. Uh, you know, even though I didn't agree with it, the, the QA signing, the, the Brian Campbell signing, do something. Make a trade, make something happen, light the fire again to make it, make us all excited about next season. Don't sit here and tell me that Jonathan Taze is going to have another career year. Patrick Kane right. is going to have another career year. Alex DeBrinkett is going to score 40 goals again next year. Like that's, that's a perfect storm of things that have, and we kind of right. talked about this in the pre-chat. That's a perfect storm of things that happened this year that got them to another season of not making the playoffs. 
That's how bad this team is. You know, overall, they you you got career career years from a lot of players and people stepping up that were unexpected, and they're still not going to make the playoffs. So, that don't expect that to happen next year. There, uh, you could you could just assume that all the play, all those players are, would fall off next year. And that's not to say they're not great players and the whole thing. And he looks to bring it. And I'm not cutting him. You know, I'm not ragging on him either. But to say he's going to score 40 goals every year and expect that every year is a little irresponsible. <laughs> and just expect that those guys are going to fall off and you're going to need people that are going to back, that are going to be behind them that can pick up the, you know, pick up the heavy lifting sometimes. Uh, Dylan Strom has shown maybe he can do that sometimes. Maybe Perlini can. Uh, but on the d- defensive side, you have, after, you know, Duncan Keith, you have Eric Gustafson having a good year, um, Connor Murphy being okay, you know, being a two-way guy, probably the most solid defenseman on both ends of the ice, and uh, not a whole lot else. And Boquist doesn't fix that. Bowden doesn't fix that. If Ian Mitchell was to come, he doesn't fix that. Chad Chris doesn't fix that. Uh, right. Henry Yoki Haru probably doesn't fix that either. Right. So let's see some chaos. Let's see something happen. I want to see something happen. I mean, I'd be excited for that. That would make me excited for next season going into next season with the same basic same team for two years in a row is going to drive me mad if that happens. So that's my rant on that. Uh, Jackie Davis, while it looks like Marion Hosa will never play hockey again, he won't, um, uh, do you think he may return to the Hawks in a coaching role or other management position? If so, what do you think would be a good position for him? I think at least everything that I've seen and read that he likes being back where he's at being back home. So maybe he does something over there with a national team or something like that, unless the Blackhawks were to approach him with some kind of uh, offer. I don't know that he's while he is a leader, he was a leader on the ice. I don't know that he was a vocal leader, right. you know, I don't know that he's so, a coach type. So when, uh, this is, this is something I heard from a, from a team source, mm-hmm. um, and, um, a reliable team source who has given provided good information in the past. Um, you know, for example, the Hawks, when they went after Vermette, this was the same guy. And I, and I broke that. This is the same guy who gave me that information. Um, the, um, the, the Hawks approached Hosa right around the time that they traded his rights to Arizona and told him that they wanted him to be part of the organization in perpetuity um, and that they want, they would like to, at the end of his playing playing days, although his playing, excuse me, his contract, because his playing days are over, at the end of his contract, they wanted him to join the team in a hockey capacity. Those were the, that was the direct quote. And um, what that means, and Ray and I were actually talking about it a little bit before we got started, I don't see him ever becoming a full-time coach. I mean, the guy's got $80 million, and he's like basically like the uncrowned king of Slovakia. You know, I, I, just, I just don't see him ever signing up for the, for the grind and the, the drudgery of, of coaching in the NHL, although I think he'd be a great coach. His, you know, his father was the coach of the Slovak national team for several years. And I mean, the, the guy could, could be a great coach in my opinion. However, I could see him being more like sort of a part-time Barry Smith sort of, you know, uh, talent evaluator and troubleshooter throughout the organization who might show up a couple of times a year and, and go to various places like Rockford or, 
you know, work with the team a little bit or, you know, even go out to some of the places where some of the prospects are playing and, uh, you know, put an eye on the prospects and talk to them, et cetera. I mean, I could definitely definitely see Hosa doing that if he wants to do that and, you know, keep his his relationship with the team alive. Um, you know, I think eventually his numbers going into the rafters, um, along with three or four other players from this last era. Um, so I, I have, I have heard that the Hawks would like him to join them in some kind of a hockey capacity once his contract is up. And that was from, like I said, from a pretty good source. But the, the other question is, is even, even if the Hawks wanted that and they extended that to him at the time they moved his contract, um, you know, it doesn't mean that's necessarily something he wants to do. Right. Yeah. He's been spending, like I said earlier, he's been spending a lot of time back home. So, yeah. you know, he may want to do that. I don't know. I can't speak for him, but he's got a good hockey mind. Um, he's a smart, smart guy. He was a very smart hockey player, very cerebral. Like he could be a management type person possibly, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Or like you said, uh, a Barry Smith, you know, specialty, uh, who was the guy that did the face-offs? Uh, Yannick Pearl. Yeah, Yannick Never Pearl. Yannick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I mean, Hosa's, Hosa's, in my opinion, he thinks the game at a very high level. Um, he, when, you know, as a player, he was the example of how to be a two-way hockey player. Everything he did, you know, from his skating stride through, you know, the, the way he held his stick to, you know, the way he de- positioned himself and he defended, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, and those are things that that he can teach um, if, he, if he wanted to do that. And, and the, 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 I guess the question becomes how much time he wants to spend in, in North America. And who knows? Maybe they carve out a role for him in Europe. You know, maybe he becomes, you know, the, the lead talent evaluator in Europe or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. When I said earlier that I didn't see him being like, you know, the, the vocal leader, I don't see him being like, you know, the head coach that's always no. yelling at everybody. I no. see him like, like, you know, a, a, a skills coach. Like, I'm going right. to teach you. I'm not yelling at you, scolding you, telling right. you, you know. But uh, I don't think he wants that yeah. grind of being a coach. I mean, being a coach in, in pro hockey is not an easy job. No, you know, no. Um, so that's uh, I guess that's that. I, we really didn't answer that with a well, I guess we did with a uh, what would be a good position for him kind of thing. Ray, you got anything more you want to add to that? No, if you're a youngster that uh, has a chance to listen to Marion Hosa because he's part of the organization, you'd do it. Yeah. Yeah, he would he would be gold for that. And speaking of a young player that we talked about earlier, Chad Chris picks up his per, first pro point um, uh, with the Ice Hogs tonight. Uh, he picked off a clearing attempt uh, and dropped it to Anthony Lewis, who scored or Louis nice. Lewis. So uh, Chad Chris, uh, welcome to the organization. Yeah, it's cool. uh, we got a couple things that uh, were late on Twitter. Um, I want to I want to add those into the end of the program here. Uh, are you, like you mentioned earlier, our boy Justin Lowe, um, the blogger to be named later, blogger to be named later, uh, or Tyler Cameron, however you'd want to want to refer to him. Will the real Tyler Cameron please stand up? <laughs> um, he said, "Is Cahoon Kampf Kubalik Stan's idea of a great third line in the NHL?" He's already saying he's expecting Kubalik, who I mentioned earlier. This is why I mentioned him earlier to make the Blackhawks next year. Um, to that, there were some follow-ups of that, but um, I, I think we can kind of address this kind of thing. 
I don't know much about Kubalik. Uh, you don't know. We don't know. <laughs> He's not Panarin, but he may be Cahoon. He can skate and he can shoot. Yeah. He may be the next Cahoon. I don't know. You know, Cahoon's a decent NHL player. He's not, you know, lighting the world on fire, but he is an NHL player. So if you're going to have a third line and, you know, where there's Kubalik, Kampf, and uh, Cahoon, man, the Blackhawks really keep playing with this triple K line, I, which is not I good. Think, I think in a perfect world, uh, David Camp would be your fourth-line center. Yeah. I, th- I think the third-line center of a really good Hawk team next year is not in a Hawk sweater right now and not in the organization. Yeah, we've both gone on record uh, agreeing yeah. with that. Uh, the Kampf yep. is probably going to uh, take over that uh, Marcus Kruger role, which he hasn't even yeah. really been in anyway this year. Right. Uh, I think Cahoon uh, is going to stay probably more in the third line role, so they're probably not going to be playing together. Who knows, though? Uh, earlier this year, uh, Jeremy Carlton had David Kampf playing second line center. He really <laughs> likes David Kampf. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's that, – I, I don't know, you know – Maybe toy with him at third line center, but I don't think the long term uh, of David Comp is going to be third line center with the Blackhawks either. I don't. Right. You know, I, I agree with you. I think they need to go out and get a center to play third line center behind, and then and then if you have Comp is the the fourth line center, you have Strom at second line center, you have Jonathan Taze, then you're you're once again you're you're pretty solid deep. up the middle. You're deep down the middle, which yeah. is critical, and and really you know center play affects your team defense. Big time because winning faceoffs and then centers who can cover back, you know, 200 feet on their guy. Those are big factors in your team defense. Um, and I've I've also heard that the Hawks intend to go after that depth center, who's you know a strong faceoff guy this summer. Um, so um, it's not just us saying it. Yeah. So that uh, you know, people said they they really like what they've seen of him. But again, again, as John likes to say, you know, you just see some highlights on the YouTubes. So let's hold off just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the, what I, what I've, what I've heard is that he's, he's very fast and he's got a great shot, but you know, we, we heard similar about Edsel too. I don't know. We heard that Edsel was a speed burner, but we no, heard he, he had a great shot. And yeah. He saw does that on the YouTubes and he's been okay at Rockford. Yeah. And Jer- and Jaron, that he was, he was one of Jerry, Jeremy Colleton's pets down there. Like he, he was, uh, he was quarterback in the power play. He was, uh, Edsel was all over the place. And, uh, you know, I, maybe, maybe they still see something, but there were rumors yep. that we were, uh, that, uh, we were re, uh, posting about that, uh, Victor Edsel may be going back to Sweden next year when his contract's up or, you know, for next year, meaning more of this summer when his contract's up, uh, that may happen. He may not be happy with what's going on with the Blackhawks. They might not be happy with the way he's progressing. They may not want to continue the relationship. I don't know uh, at this point, but it wouldn't surprise me. And it wouldn't be the first time that, you know, uh, you know, like Robin Norell going back over to Sweden, things like that. So who knows? Uh, thanks, Justin, for throwing that in there. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and the last one from uh, Dan W., the Saito on uh, Twitter, uh, basically says, will Dylan Sakura make the team uh, next season and or where does he fit into the lineup? He shows great possession numbers, but can't seem to get the puck to the net in a dangerous way. Was this just a product of necessity of the season with the depth they had? 
Uh, I've brought up Sakura several times because uh, the way he was hyped up and uh, he has not turned out to be anything close to way, the way he was hyped up. Uh, we saw certain people say that he was going to get 60 points this year. He still has not scored his NHL goal. He has eight assists. He was sent to Rockford and he probably, sh- probably should be at Rockford right now uh, playing more meaningful hockey because the, now the Blackhawks season's over and he probably will. But um, you know, he, he's listed at 160 pounds. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And they, they interviewed him the other night between periods and he had he had his shoulder pads off. And I mean, I don't mean to pick on the kid, but it look it, it looks to me like he's never spent any appreciable time in the weight room. And I guess, you know, after you've been a draft choice of an NHL team and you've you've been hyped up by the organization as being the next the, the next great player and all that. And it, it, he's 23 years old. I mean. When a kid is 19 or 20, there's there's an excuse to not, you know, to be not, not well developed physically. And maybe maybe he's one of those kids who's just so skinny and he just can't put weight on. That's possible as hard as he trains. That's quite possible. So I, I want to be fair. But if he's another one of these guys who who just who's who's immune to training and, and immune to the physical part of the sport, you're going to continue to see the kind of, you know, numbers that he's produced thus far, which are not at all, basically, uh, because, you know, to be a forward, a productive forward in the NHL, you've, you've got to be willing to go into the high traffic areas. And as you know, that old cliche, get your, get your nose dirty. Um, and I, I think, you know, the thing that we've noticed about him is that he gets pushed around a lot around the net. I mean, he's on the ice a lot and, um, you know, it just, it, I, again, it's like I just can't even understand when a kid has that kind of opportunity that he's not just, you know, guys like Taves and, and Kane, for that matter, those guys have worked hard to get where they are physically, and, you know. And let's be honest, Alex DeBrinkett has worked his ass off. Oh, yeah, he has. I yeah, mean, he, he stayed in Chicago. He trained hard this summer. He put on, you know, he put on some muscle. And it, this is like the... Uh, uh, and I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna claim to know exactly what's going. on. I, I can only go by the optics of it. But he looks like the anti Debrinket. Like he, if if Dylan Sakura wants to make this team next year, he needs to do what Alex Debrinket did last year. Work hard in the off season yeah. with the Blackhawks training staff to put on some bulk, so yeah, that let's, he can let's give him a chance to do it too. Because maybe yeah. you know when he was in college at Northeastern, maybe they didn't have a really good strength program. That's possible. You know, it's hard to believe, but it's possible. Um, and uh, let's give him a chance. But if, yeah, if he comes back next year and he's, he's still 163 pounds soaking wet, um, you know, it, it, he's 24 years old next year, you know? Yeah. And before I forget, and I'm going to throw it back to Ray and I'll let Ray weigh in on this, but um, the possession numbers, I mean, y- you can't, you can't just rely on possession numbers. It could be a piece of the puzzle, but he's been put in a position to play with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And he's playing with guys who get good, you know, get a lot of shots on net who had had the numbers. So it may not necessarily be just him. It may be a product of, uh, or, you know, it may be somewhat him, but, it's going to be a product of your line mates as well. And he's been put in a position where he can get 
you know, good possession numbers because he's playing with good players. Like he's not bad enough where he's going to drag Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane down. (laughs) You know, he just, he kind of just, he's not killing them, but he's not doing anything to help them really. But he's being the benefactor of, you know, what, how those guys play out on the ice. Uh, I, I hope he, he turns into something. I have not seen anything and I've, heard so much pumping of the tires with Dylan Sakura has been so much better these last so many games x many games I don't see it well you've you've heard his name called a couple of times what has he done like you know he he tipped uh, he tipped a long shot so that means he's better I mean I don't he's not going out there he's not making plays for himself he's not you know uh, you know, whizzing by, you know, giving, giving defenseman windburn. He's not doing anything really that great. That's making me say, you know, he should be playing top line. Like really right now, he's nothing better than a third line player that can't score. <laughs> I mean, he's not even Dominic Cahoon at this point in time, but you know, we'll see what he does. It, it, hopefully, they know what to do, get him on the right program this summer and get, you know, turn him into an NHL physical NHL player um, to match, you know, what, what he has with his hockey IQ. Ray, what do you think? I still think he's going to have a 60 point career. I know when I saw that tweet, <laughs> I, I joked about it. that <laughs> The 60 point season is going to be a 60 point career, but I mean, all joking is, I thought early on he was finding some space. It was like, man, he, you know, he's just getting, you know, in scoring opportunities, but just not burying it. And I was like, okay, let's see if he can start start burying some of these shots. And and I thought recently he's just a perimeter guy. And if you're going to be a perimeter guy, you better yeah. have a pretty special shot. Uh, right. He's not getting into the in, in front of the goal. He's not getting into the you know areas Q used to talk about all the time that you got to score those dirty goals. You know, so I mean, uh, for me, if, if he doesn't, he comes back and you're 23, 24, like you said, and, you know, some guys just don't want it. And, and I hope that's not him, but sometimes you're okay with just being where you're at. And, and that's going to push him down that ladder, I think, really quick because he doesn't have that, that shot that's going to be special from around the perimeter. And he's got an opportunity here. So mm-hmm. he, he better embrace it and come back next year. I, I don't want to hear any of this, you know, pumping of the tires when there's not, you know, it, it's an illusion that's being cast in front of a lot of people. And they're going to start believing it, that he's more of a player than he really is, unless he starts showing it. So, um, so that's, that. uh, that's the, that's the Dylan Sakura Chronicles for this episode. Got anything else? Uh, you guys got on top of mind with Blackhawks or anything? No, yes. no, no. Oh, all right, cool. Um, so I think we can uh, start wrapping this thing up. Uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content, Ray, JJ, and I, and even Ron Luce and uh, Mario and uh, Aaron and all those guys over at www.thedashrink.com. Uh, you can find us on the popular social media, uh, at the Rink Official, uh, at the Rinkcast, at the Rink Official is Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Puck and Hostel on Twitter. Uh, John is at Jekyll. Ray is hockey knapsack with just a K, not a CK (laughs) (laughs) on Twitter. Make sure you follow him for all your uh, Chicago steel stuff. 
Uh, I try to make sure, or it, I try to, it's not an easy thing, but I try to make sure that we replicate, uh, you know, Ray's posts and, and Mario's posts and stuff on the, uh, the rink official. I try to funnel it all through there, but uh, follow Ray as well. If you get a chance, head over to iTunes, rate and review us. I'm debating maybe a little inspiration to people. Maybe if uh, you want to put up a really good uh, review, uh, maybe we'll read it on the air. Maybe we'll invite you on to talk a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this summer. A lot of things could happen. Um, we're, Great crowd of the week. Yeah, it could be something like that. So uh, head over there, rate and review us. Let us uh, Help us jump up at the... Uh, the charts of Blackhawks podcasts. Um, I don't have really any uh, any other last plugs. John, you got anything? Uh, no, I got nothing tonight. Ray, you got anything you want to get out there that we haven't covered? Nope, I got nothing for you. Nothing? All right. Well, I guess with that being said, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the way.